Hey, how you guys doing? It's your guy, Justin. You know, this is part of the Daily Next podcast, and uh, this is the emergency section of the podcast. Um, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, and the reason why we're doing this is because uh, on Friday, me and JB from the Knicks Film School account did an interesting podcast just talking about the Knicks outlook for the upcoming offseason and what their team could look like in 2019-2020 uh, season. But the Anthony Davis trade came down in, in the world of podcasts, and you just got to adjust with the time. So uh, when you listen to the rest of this podcast, um, me and JB do talk about the idea of Davis. None of us really expected him to join the Knicks. So it's not like we made any you know proclamation or anything crazy, but um, just understand that we recorded that before Davis was actually traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, speaking of the – we'll start real quick with the, the Lakers angle of it what New Orleans got, and then circle our way back to the Knicks. So if you're the Lakers, um, you can argue you got the best player that was available in the offseason um, to play for you at least for next season. Uh, Davis is coming off of a year where he basically missed part of the season because of either injury or load management or valuing the asset or whatnot. He had a tremendous season. He is in the prime of his career and now looks like he'll be the star player for the Lakers for possibly the next seven to eight years. You pair him up with LeBron and that, you know, as of right now, you know, Durant's going to miss most of all this, if not all the season, if he, you know, even if he does stay with Golden State, Clay is going to miss most of the season with his torn ACL. They have the best tandem in the league. And in a league where it is a strong chain, it is a weak chain league in the sense that all you need is having one of the two best players in the league. You can argue that the Lakers have the first and possibly the third or fourth best player in the NBA right now. So they got the haul. And they, despite their mismanagement, despite the chaos that displayed through the season and into the off season and all that stuff, they got the best guy that was available. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they can actually build around them. The two of the the two guys that they now have, I would expect them to definitely try and get basically whoever is the leftover um, free agent that they can scoop up um, being either Jimmy Butler, you know, talk to Kyrie, Kemba Walker, but this definitely put them now back into the fold of definitely getting someone and competing with the rest of the league, like the Knicks, like the Clippers, like the Nets and so on and so on. Just from a basketball standpoint, I think this is (laughs) excellent. You put Davis at center he covers for a lot of what the rest of the team lack of off defense will be. Kuzma isn't a great defender. Uh, LeBron has slipped significantly in that area over the last few years. Davis is defensive player of the year, you know, contender every single year. Uh, he can protect the rim. He can guard probably anywhere between three, four, and fives. Um, he has great athleticism. He gets to the hold. He's one of the best. He's you know he's one of the best defenders in the game right now. Um, 
going forward with how the Lakers will build the team, it would be interesting to see what exactly would they want to get with that second max slot that they still have. Uh, according to reports right now, it says that the deal will be completed on July 6th. And if that is the case, then the Lakers will not be able to have um, the 23. They'll only have $23 million in cap space as opposed to the $32 million. I highly doubt that the Lakers are not going to be able to push that off until July 30th. Um, It makes sense for the Lakers, especially. Um, It makes sense for the Pelicans as well, so they can actually get the player in the building, you know, start working out with their players and their team. So um, I definitely do think that for the Pelican side, it would make sense for it to happen July 6th so they can get their players in quicker. However, I don't think that the league will try to handicap the Lakers in getting like a second um, star player during the offseason. And so if they're able to do that, who the likely candidates to beat? Uh, it appears that Jimmy, from all indications, Jimmy wants to stay in Philly. They can give him the most money. And that team, especially if Kawhi decides to go west or just to another team, is in the driver's seat to at least get to the semifinals possibly the finals um, of the NBA. So he can possibly stay. Do you think about getting a Kemba Walker? It was already reported, I believe by Brian Woodhorse that the Lakers are going to pursue Kemba, which will be a good thing. It's a guy who's able to create and get to the hole, shoot outside from three, give LeBron some space, give LeBron and AD some space to work inside. The downside is he's not going to be a good defender. He's going to age into his, 30 season so he's not going to get better on that end and if you have um lebron kuzma kemba and unless you have some other defensive stalwart at the four spot the lakers are going to struggle on defense especially on the perimeter um so that's another area of concern definitely for them you could then get Kyrie, which then still leads to problems of you know the defensive end and um Definitely health issues. He's had a lot of knee problems in his past, but he's three years younger than Kemba. He looks like he can still definitely age well into his, you know, early 30s. Um, it looks like he can possibly get another contract with the Lakers as well as he would be, I believe, 31 when this contract is over. So, you know, it remains to be seen what exactly they do to build this roster. But one thing I will say about it is that we're now entrusting Rob Palenka, who we were all joking on a couple months ago that he was the worst GM in the league, that now we have to believe that he's going to be able to fit now this roster with capable players. And it's going to be a big decision. What does he do? Um, Does he still go the model of we're going to use supplementary parts to enhance the two guys that we have? which there is a good calling for that, you know, potentially getting guys on veterans minimums or getting like Danny, the Danny greens and those type of guys to come in for a year or two to, to play with these guys. But then the allure of getting that third star still kind of gives you a tug and pull and you basically just have nothing on your bench and nothing that's going to be able to supplement your bench since you have no draft picks for the next five years potentially you don't have any draft picks for the next five years. So while I do think this is a great day for the Lakers, and this is now transitioning to what the new Orleans got, 
they need to trust into Rob Palinka into getting the best out of the low end talent that they can get. I mean, they have to look into buying second round picks. They have to look to hit on all their second round picks, praying guys who are just going to want to take less to play with LeBron and AD in LA, that that is going to be a draw. And if they're able to do that, then that's the team that can win the championship. If not, that'll be a team that, you know, you can see like, it's going to be really good. Obviously make the playoffs being the top of the Western conference. But if LeBron's aging in a way where we've seen the best of him and we're just leading to an Anthony Davis led team, it's going to be tough to see if Anthony Davis by himself with no way to get any help is going to be able to carry that squad to a championship. Now, moving over to the Lakers, what the Lakers got. So the Lakers received Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and multiple, multiple first-round picks. So I'll leave the first-round picks to the side for a second, just talk about the players that they got. Having Lonzo and Zion on the basketball court is going to be amazing. Fast breaks all the time. Lonzo will be able to push the pace at will, get to the hole, alley-oops from both ends. They'll both be excellent defensive players. Excellent defensive players. Zion already projects to be a first-team all-defensive player in his first couple of years, and Lonzo is, has an ability to lock up point guards. He's a lot bigger than a lot of the point guards, so he's able to bully them and able to having them turn the ball over and doing all this stuff as well. If Lonzo and Zion stay healthy, now that's the biggest thing for Lonzo. Um, I mean, people do have injury concerns about Zion as well. Then. With Drew Holiday, that could be one of the best defensive teams in the league right now. Um, the issue is for them necessarily is going to be with how how healthy does Brandon Ingram stay? Does he does this is his blood clot just a one time thing, or is this going to be an actual you know reincurring issue? And then with Josh Hart, you know his contract is somewhat of a a misnomer because you don't really know what you're going to get from that guy. Like, is he just kind of a, a jag that we've kind of like put into elite kind of status just because of his ways playing with um, LeBron. And, you know, he's kind of the guy we feel good about just because he's not anyone who has had any pressure on him. But even if Lonzo bust, Brandon Ingram bust, Josh Hart bust, the, Pelicans are not set up to be kingsmakers just because of what the deals they got. So if you look at it, they get the fourth pick in this year's draft. That can be whomever they can take. Um, Jared Culver, Darius Geis. I doubt they'll take Geis since they have um, since they have Lonzo. So I would look to see them getting a potentially Jared Culver. That seems like a guy that can fit into them off the bench. That can be a great defensive stalwart to start. Maybe they do take Cam Reddish at four because they want to take the upside and they have the ability to because they have so many young guys that they're going to need shooting at one point. So maybe they do take Cam Reddish at four. Um, you know, DeAndre Hunter, where does he fit in? Does he does seem to make up on just a team that will that could keep you under 90 points? Um, a guy who really wants to be able to play defense at a high end. So we'll see where he goes. So they have the fourth pick. They have a top eight protected pick the next year. Um, in 2000 no i'm sorry not 2020 2021 and then after that is pretty much just 
um, pick swaps and stuff like that. So then if they don't convert the pick in 2021, it's unprotected in 2022. And I believe from 23 to 25, they have the ability to pick swap with the, oh, I'm sorry, 2023 and 2025, they can pick swap with the Lakers and then they have their 2024 unprotected pick. So as much as the Knicks, I think would have greatly benefited from having Anthony Davis, unfortunately, like we've, was said on this podcast before we'll say on this podcast a little bit later when you hear the rest of it they could not take the risk of taking anthony davis giving up anywhere near of what the lakers gave up and expect to feel the team next year um and the durant injury really crippled them from their ability to do it but even if they had durant in fold or durant was still healthier they believe they can keep durant what the what the Lakers got back was, I mean, I'm sorry, what the New Orleans got back was a haul in the sense that just the picks itself gives them so much more flexibility than anyone else in the league. Of teams that have the quote-unquote most assets, you would definitely say them, number one. I would say the Knicks have the second most, number two. Then you would say the Boston has some at number three just because all their picks are basically gone. You know, all their picks are this year. This is now their year with the draft. All they have now is just the players. And so what exactly does New Orleans do with those picks? Now, the thing about picks and the thing about young players is that they in in theory they look good. In theory they're 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 nice to have, but at the end of the day, this is the same issue that the Celtics came up with. You can't field your team with that many players. There's no way that let's say all those picks convert. Let's say they get um so they have this year's pick um, they have the 2020 pick, I mean, the 2021 pick. Let's say they get the 22, 23, 24, and 25 pick. That's six players that you can potentially have on the roster. There's no way you're going to feel the team adding six players onto the team, especially if you have a team that you would assume by 2025 would at least be in contention to West Conference Finals, NBA Finals, or win the championship. So when you make these deals, they're not to have players on your roster, but be able to use that to take other star players from their roster. And New Orleans is now set up to do that in a major way. Now, the one thing the Knicks need to worry about outside of losing Anthony Davis is how fast does David Griffin want to push this rebuild? He has Zion. He has all these other young players. What does he do? If Griffin decides, I'm going to wait a year, I'm going to keep all my stuff and let's see how it plays out. If they do really well, they can definitely try to make a play for Bradley Beal, for you know maybe if Carl Anthony Towns doesn't want to stay in um, Minnesota anymore. There's different guys who are coming up eventually, you know, not in this year's draft, but next season. The biggest thing about it is that people aren't necessarily looking at um, – the free agency class isn't great, but the pre-agency class is going to be headlined by Bradley Beal and potentially Giannis Antetokounmpo. Will um, Griffin feel or have the stuff to be able to get, you know, any one of those two guys? Now, you know, I don't believe Giannis has made any indication that he's willing to leave. Um, he said all the right things about staying in. Minnesota, I mean, I'm sorry, in Milwaukee, they can pay him $240 million in two years. So 
from all perspectives, it doesn't appear that he'll leave, but we thought that about Anthony Davis. We thought that about Kevin Durant with the Warriors. And so you never know what anyone wants to do and what they don't want to do. And for the Knicks now, this obviously was a bad week. They potentially lost Kevin Durant for 2019. They already didn't have a chance to get Zion. And all indications point that Kyrie is going to go to the Nets. That holy trinity that we all believed in and we thought of appears like it's not going to happen. But this idea that the Knicks are somehow done, that it's over, that they are washed. I'm like, the Knicks are in the best position they've ever been in since I can remember, since even 2010. Because people always want to compare, you know, the 2010 season, offseason to this season now, or this offseason now. And they're not in the same breath in the sense that that team was not good. They did not have any young guys and able to build upon that they wanted to really like grow and show and be like, these are the guys that we want to build around. Next season, they will have RJ, Knox, Trier, Mitchell Robinson, and Dennis Smith Jr. Just those five guys are good enough to want to potentially either build around or look and see to trade for a veteran to come in and help you with the team. Now, the team, to me, can go in two different sections, both having Durant on the roster. So Durant signs, and now you have the extra 30-plus million dollars to spend in cap room. You can then go after potentially D'Angelo Russell and possibly get another guy for about, I think, $10 million or so. It depends on what contract you you're able to, to finesse the 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 nets to saying no to. You can get Russell. Um, you can get Kawhi. Now it'd be a little bit difficult to see if Kawhi would want to come and put his faith in a guy who's coming off an Achilles injury and see how would that work out, even though all the indications seem that he's either going to stay in Toronto or or go to the Clippers. The that move in the sense would obviously please the fan base. You have a name, you have someone you can go with and stuff like that. And you already have Durant in the fold. So if they got someone like Kawhi, if things didn't work out necessarily with KD, like he's hurt and injury or whatever, they still have a foundation to be able to trade for other players, get them. And then you can always stretch them. There's a lot of other things the Knicks can do. Even if that goes, goes to pass. The next option is just trying to, let it cook next season and becoming what the nets were of last year. Simply put, you sign KD, you have all this extra money and you look at it and you basically try to get a lot of one year deals in from guys trying to get off cat room with, with the assets you do have. You can then either use your assets or even gain assets back. So if you look at somewhere like Charlotte, Marvin Williams makes $15 million. They are capped out. And they, even if they want to keep Kemba, they're trying to cut salary. You can then say, all right, give us that player. We'll cut your salary. Let's take another second-round pick from you guys, even though we already have two of their second-round picks from the Herman Gomez deal. You could potentially take that. Or you can call up Phoenix. You can get Tyler Johnson. You can take his bad contract on your on your roster as well. Um I don't know. You can call Portland. They might be up for grabs right now, even though I believe Evan Turner has two years left on his deal, but the next season is an expiring deal. And then you would assume if you have Kyrie, if you have KD on the team already and you still have the Dallas picks, you can then use that to 
to get that picks off to someone who's going to have cap space. There are still, there's nothing, there's never ever a time where having cap space and young players is bad. It's never a time. The bad thing is when you have older players on expensive contracts. That's the only thing. And the Knicks don't have that. Okay. The most expensive player next season, if they don't sign anybody on their roster, will be RJ Barrett at $7 million. It's the most expensive guy they'll have. And if you look at it in that sense and just don't get so hyped up about what's happening, what's what's going on, you realize that there is a plan. There is something. This is the best time for the Knicks to be able to do what they need to do. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks that they Kevin Durant's not going to play next season. Not just a Knicks thing. That's just a basketball thing. Yeah, Kyrie's probably going to go to the Nets. I wanted Kyrie. Some Knicks fans now, it's real funny. People flip-flop. One minute, I kept hearing all Knicks fans hated Kyrie. Now they want Kyrie because Kyrie's going to the Nets. Okay? And you didn't get Zion. And, you know, Kawhi might not come. And these things happen. But so long as they don't go the route of maxing Chris Milden and maxing Tobias Harris or maxing Jimmy Butler and guys in that vein or Boogie Cousins or whomever, they'll be fine. You can still do a lot in this league with cap space and young players. That's always the good, because that's the one thing people want. They want cap space to get top tier guys, or they want assets and be able to, in order to get um, established veterans, or they want young players on their team that they can flip for those same guys. So, yeah. All right, so that's the part of the podcast. Thank you guys again for listening uh, to this part of it. Up next will be just me and my conversation with uh, JB from Mixed Film School. aka justin and welcome into the daily knicks podcast thank you guys again for tuning in for another week of knicks content all the time and we're doing a little crossover event you know because it's the knicks it's all love all the way through the city and i got my guy jb from my knicks film school everyone you know should follow the account listen to him he sends you all the good information with everything that he does because a lot of good write-ups so thank you man thanks for uh, joining me yeah no thanks for having me man looking forward to talking <laughs> yeah man um it's crazy because, like, you know, we're recording this right after the the Raptors just won probably the craziest championship in a while. Probably this <laughs> definitely this decade. Um, if you look at all the teams that have won from 2010 to now, outside of the – they're probably uh, similar to the Mavericks team. You know, that Mavericks team that got their head punched in year after year after year, lost in the first round to a gold, to the We Believe Golden State Warriors team. And now they finally won that championship in 2011. And then the Raptors won it this year. But every other year since then, it was a, some semblance of super team or some semblance of a bunch of Hall of Famers, whether it was the Spurs, the Heat, the Cavs, or the Warriors teams. So we could just start from right – yeah, right right there, JB. What do, you, what do you think about the Raptors winning this championship? Stuff. Like, yeah, the Raptors are sort of like that Pistons team in a way where, you know, they, they have like depth and it's not a collection of superstars. But that said, they're they're not totally like them because, you know, you could argue Kawhi is maybe the best player in the NBA, right? So if you go back in time and you say, okay, 
you know, I'm not putting Kawhi next to like Jordan, obviously, but I'm just saying like you have had in in NBA history before this recent trend of stars getting together, you have had like one lead Hall of Famer that really is the guy that leads you to a championship. And I think Detroit, while there was Hall of Famers on that team, there's it was more of like, okay, it's a collection of talent. Not one guy would be considered at that time one of the best in the league. So I just can't decide, yeah, if it's sometimes we discount Kawhi a little bit. Um, but that said, you know, with, with Golden State, where they have multiple guys that are top guys, and you know, you you know, obviously this is where the we can get into the injury discussion. Um, but I think that that's really what skewed it is we've just had this Golden State team that's been so stacked winning. And then obviously before that we had Miami, that it seems like an anomaly, but I can't decide if if it's just the way we've looked at it recently, and if you looked at this Toronto team and you look at where Kawhi will end up in NBA history, do we say, well, of course. I mean, they were a deep team that had freaking Kawhi Leonard on there. You know, how how could they not have been a team you expected to win? You know what I mean? Yeah, so just to, to go back a little bit before we talk about, I guess, the, the injuries. Um, if you compare the 2004 Pistons team, that uh, 2011 Mavericks team, and then this Toronto's team, you can at least argue that Kawhi is the best player of the three of the best, meaning Chauncey and Dirk. Now, Dirk's going to be interesting because Dirk was a lot further into his career. He took a lot of more um, personal strifes than Kawhi did. Right. Um, they both made the same amount of finals. Well, Kawhi, that, this is Kawhi's third finals now. Um, he's two and one. Dirk is now one and one in his finals. And so same thing with Chauncey. Um, but at no point was Dirk, even though Dirk has an uh, MVP, a regular season MVP on this title, no one ever thought Dirk was in the conversation for best player in the league. Right. He was probably in the top five, top four at some points, but he was never considered the best player in the league. You can make the case that Kawhi is the best player in the NBA right now. And with the fact that Durant's hurt and LeBron didn't make the playoffs last year, um, I can't call you crazy. I personally think he's the – if we're doing it as a as a today conversation, I think he's the best player in the league right now. But the fact that this Raptors team won was they had a lot of elements to the – to um, of just getting your face kicked in. And this is another thing if you want to talk about Masai, about the, the – um, the the benefits of patience right. and when to pull the trigger and when to do this and when to kind of go out and make your mark because for the longest time if you look at the two west the two coast teams that made the what the the conference finals in the, the raptors and portland they both got there by doing it the opposite way the raptors said this isn't going to work anymore we need to jettison this guy out of here and get someone who we think is better Portland didn't do that. And yet they still, I would say both teams overachieved. They got further than I think what most people expected them to do. And it's that idea of like, when is the right time to pull the trigger? And when's the right time to stay pat? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. No, and that's it. I think the other thing too is like, we get into discussions when a good team continues to lose in like the second round or something of when do they blow it up right like we went through it with the clippers it seemed like every single summer and then toronto because they kept running into lebron 
And, you know, famously, obviously, there was a few times where it seemed like they might have blown it up with the, you know, the whole connection to the Knicks with the Kyle Lowry trade that didn't happen. But to me, it's always, yeah, like we're learning now as Knicks fans with those 90s teams that, you know, even back then there were people that like, yeah, you know, they can't get over the hump. They need to do something drastic. It's like it is, I think, just as hard to be on the cusp of winning as it is then making that next step to win. So therefore, it's like, you know, I give credit to the Raptors as saying, look, we already did the work to get on the cusp. We just need to do something to to make that next big leap, even though it was a risk at the time because, you know, Kawhi apparently didn't want to go there. But it's like when you've got that far, why not take that next leap versus saying, nope, we're going to just blow it all up and somehow now we got to take those two big leaps, getting good enough that we're even in the conversation and then good, getting good enough to win it. So I think that's where I, you know, it made sense to me the way that they approached it because they, I think, had a good um, self-awareness to say, look, we're really, really close. And especially once LeBron went West, it's like, you know, why not go for it? And, you know, I think it's a copycat league it's not even for the NBA, for all leagues, this is how it goes, right? The teams that win, then all the other GMs and teams start thinking like, oh, you know, if they did it that way, maybe we can. So I think that's why even now with the Celtics and Anthony Davis trade rumors, I think teams are just saying, you know what, even if the guy's not guaranteed um, to re-sign necessarily, if we're close to winning, we it might be worth taking that risk, which is different, by the way, than, you know, we could get into with the Knicks parallels of, you know, back in the mellow trade, whatnot. It's like they weren't necessarily at that point close to winning. And I think that's why people look at that that risk a little bit differently. But when you're close and there's one guy that can maybe get over the top and you might win one championship in 50 years, you know, I, I, I give them credit for going for it. Yeah, and agree, and, and I'm glad you brought up uh, Anthony Davis because now we can, I guess, parlay now into to more of like the Knicks talk and just his his status. So, um, from what I've been hearing or what I've been reading, uh, just throughout the circles, it seems that the Knicks seem to be out on Davis. I know uh, Ian Begley came out and said that they would be like a distant third when it comes to, like the Celtics and the Lakers. Um, I try to propose like a bunch of different trades in my head to see what could fit. Uh, David Griffin's criteria or at least beat out the Lakers or the Celtics offer and as much times as I went back through the Knicks wouldn't have a roster basically <laughs> right right or yeah and I definitely do think that you know KD tearing his Achilles affected this because now it, let's say they even do bring Anthony Davis and let's just say it's Let's just say it's the third pick, Mitch and Neil Aquina and Knox, right? And so you mm-hmm. keep somewhat of your team left, and it's just uh, Davis and a couple of role guys. That's not a team that you would think best case would make the seventh seed in the East, maybe the sixth, and then get bounced in round one or two. So what difference is that from him being in New Orleans and him being in New York? It's just he just yeah. – you know what I'm saying? He just got to spend more money on Madison Avenue as opposed to being on Bourbon Street. Um, so for, for that perspective, I I think the Knicks are out, which I don't think is a is a bad thing entirely just because of the fact that while I think Davis is a great player, you're going to have to eventually get like a status of players on the roster to at least be able to take a step forward. 
So with Durant's injury happening and with Davis, you know, potentially now going to the Lakers, where do you see like the Knicks offseason plans now going? Do you still think they sign uh, Kevin Durant or do they now try to pursue getting Kawhi over Durant? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess first on Anthony Davis, the thing I can't figure out for sure is are the Knicks out on Davis because of what we've seen in the reports of they're reluctant to give up what New Orleans wants, which we could all assume means the number three pick in Mitch and then anything else that makes it work. But I think most fans are saying they only want to give up one of those two things, the number three pick or Mitch, not both. Is it that or is it that like we've seen with some other reporting that even if the Knicks gave up both, New Orleans still doesn't like what the Knicks have. And in a way you could argue like, you know, having the Knicks stand back and say, look, we don't want to, you know, we don't want it like the mellow trade all over again. We don't want to trade everyone for this one guy. It's sort of a nice spin on saying we would do it if we could, but they won't, they won't take the players that we have. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. can't decide which one of those it is. Um, but putting that aside in terms of, you know, your question of where it goes. I mean, I think, you know, when Durant got injured, because it's such a monumental, like, event that's happening, one of the, if not the best player is now in who all season long whispers of free agency. And now he's out for, uh, I guess, what was just saying, the entire next season. We want to all jump to this changes everything, blah, blah, blah. Well, it changes everything in terms of the outcome next year. But I don't think it changes really anything in terms of the teams that are going to pursue him. So I still expect the Knicks to pursue him just as aggressively as they would have if he wasn't injured. And I think that he w- is still going to be their plan A because of all of the, um, I'm assuming there's like some, I always get this saying wrong, there's, there, there's fire to the smoke. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, there's smoke to the fire. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's yeah, like. The smoke leads you to the fire. There you go. Right. I mean, we've seen it so long. It's like, there's got to be something there. So I assume because of that, he's still their their choice. But then Kawhi, I mean, we've seen it recently, right? Like they're, why wouldn't they you know, make a pitch for them and maybe make a pitch for two of them. I think it's really the Kyrie side, independent of this whole Nets connection now. I really think the Knicks were wanted him if it meant getting Durant. But I don't think they're sitting here thinking like, oh, shoot, like we're not getting Kyrie. That ruins everything. If, if they can get Durant and Kawhi instead, obviously that's what they're going to go for first. So so I really just expect them to go literally down the logical list that you would based on if you rank the players in terms of talent. I think that's the list they're going to go down, you know, uh, going after these guys. And I don't think the injuries really change anything. Is that, I mean, are you thinking the same thing? Yeah. So what I was about to say, um, the one guy outside, of the group, if we're looking at guys, not organizations, I think the Knicks, you know, really took a hit with with KD's injury just because of all the domino effects it now does that we can't trade for AD that he probably he might not play next season we'll you know we can talk about that a bit I think the guy who took the biggest loss is Kyrie because now if you're Kyrie where exactly do you go now if Brooklyn is all gun-ho about getting Kyrie and that's the guy they want then all power to them. But, you know, I, I did a podcast, I think maybe two weeks ago with my, with my guy, Zach, who, who writes for, for the Nets. And he was making a place point about how he wanted Kyrie, but more on a short-term deal, maybe like a one plus one 
um, you know, maybe like a two plus one type of deal. And if you're Kyrie, same kind of thing with Durant. I don't really know what makes Kyrie happy because if he right. if he leaves Brooklyn, I mean, I'm sorry, if he leaves Boston, which all the reports say that he's going to leave Boston, and if he goes to Brooklyn, and let's say they either they keep D'Angelo, which I think is a bad idea, or let's say they get like Tobias Harris or Jimmy Butler, it's the same team he had in Boston. So unless he just loves Atlantic Avenue and it's just like, I just want to live close to home and I'm just trying to hoop, I have my ring, I'm good. I don't see what's the difference in teams. Now, to me, I think KD's injury helps the Lakers out tremendously because I I think that Kyrie could, he could think about going back to LeBron, unless he just hates playing with LeBron. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying basically like, yeah, he might prefer Brooklyn, but it's still was the idea that, you know, he goes with Durant. So now if he can't go there with Durant, maybe it opens up, you know, he goes he goes somewhere else. But no, I agree with I mean, remember the the Nets, they won forty two they went forty two and forty. They had a you know a good year, but they had to have a lot of things go their way. Like guys playing like beyond what you expected them to play. And there is never a guarantee that's gonna happen again. So I don't even know if it is the same situation as Boston. Like I don't think the team does good, right? Yeah, man. And it's it's crazy how this is all changed. You know, so like on my phone right now, I have a picture up and it's it's Durant, it's uh Kyrie, and it's Zion, all the Knicks jerseys. And it's still there, and I haven't changed it yet. And obviously one of those things isn't happening. Durant's I mean Durant. Uh <laughs> Zion isn't coming, but there's a great chance the next season that that will not be the the starting – and none of those guys will be in the starting lineup. Obviously, not all three, but two of the three at least won't be in the starting lineup. And for for someone like me who's, like, watching Knicks, I've seen the Knicks be bad and all this stuff. And, like, yeah, the national meet, they're going to do whatever they can because, like, that's, that's the team to joke on. It's always fun. It's always easy to get clicks to make fun of the Knicks. It's the best thing. We have nothing to say today. Let's try to make fun of the Knicks. And for – I guess going into the off season this time, it's it's wild how much things can change. And yep. with the Kawhi thing, I guess also being out there with like, will Kawhi stay? Will he leave? It's one of those things where it's like, I I really don't know what he's gonna do. Like, I would I personally would would like to see him stay in Toronto, but. He's a weird guy. I don't know what he wants. And no one knows what he wants. And so this – and, like, today basically starts – I don't know when I'm going to put this out, but today basically starts the start of the most hectic next – let's say the 13th, 14th, the next hectic two weeks of anything that's going to happen. I mean, just the other day I heard a rumor that Kyrie didn't – the reason why the Lakers didn't sign – uh the reason the Lakers didn't sign Tyron Lue is because Kyrie didn't like Tyron Lue. So that's why they got Vogel because Kyrie would be more apt to play with LeBron if for Vogel. And it's like stuff like that's just going to happen all day. And for the Knicks, the, the only way they make this bad, like you said it perfectly, there's one way this can go bad. One way. And they don't have to go down that route. It's not something that's like a legit possibility it's just something they don't have to do and if they stick to a plan a plan 
then this can turn out fine. Now, last quick point. Next season, let's say they get Durant in fold. Who's someone you think they should target, whether it be a trade or in free agency? I don't know if you looked at any of the potential free agents. It's not as good next year. But do you think that Bradley Beal is someone that they should look into if they get Kevin Durant and then the play, the young players start getting better and better? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think that's why from the Knicks perspective, I don't think they're as concerned about this news that Kyrie is you know leaning towards the Nets because the, their only concern would be if that meant that one of the other big guys wanted to follow him there. But, um, you know, I think if it was literally like, even if the Knicks missed out this summer and the Nets got Kyrie, that I, I still don't think that's something that really would worry the Knicks that much in terms of like, oh, you know, now the Nets are clearly going to be, you know, the team of the future in New York you know, versus us. I think it's only if it was Kyrie and Durant, then finally, if those two actually did go to the Nets and then let's just put aside the injury for a second before the injury, if those two guys had gone to the Nets, that would have been the first time ever that we would have all had to collectively say, yes, now you can actually look at the Nets and say, they executed what the Knicks wanted to do. It is related, blah, blah, blah. But just Kyrie, no, I, I don't, you know, I don't. I don't think it's the same. Yeah, no, they're definitely. I was. I was gonna bring him up too at the end. Like he might. I know. I, I think Windhorse reported that the Spurs were looking to trade him, but you can. I'll let you continue. Yeah. Right. No. Right. That. That's probably. I think you. You're kind of identifying the biggest part that has changed because everyone's talking about what has changed about the injury in the context of Durant's decision, but they're not talking about. Once he decides, and if it, especially, obviously, if he stays in Golden State, that's different. But if he decides to go anywhere but Golden State, the biggest impact is on, like you're saying, who goes with him because that, yeah, exactly, that that one year where I guess if you were going to be, if you wanted to paint a dark cloud on the Knicks' chances, you could say that hurts the Knicks because, you know, they're not a team built to win right now versus there's other places where maybe, you know, like, say, the Clippers where he could sit out a year, another free agent can sign there and still feel like they can be competitive. Um, you know, because the guy, we, you know, I'm trying to think like, so who's the guy like we're not really talking about? To me, it's really Jimmy Butler, right? Like it, he's he's really the one that can be a big wild card to me because he's that classic player who fits somewhere in between the definitely a max superstar top five player in the league and versus the second tier guys that all the Knicks fans are afraid that we're going to overpay for. He's right in the middle there. And because of that, he to me is a bit of the wild card, you know, in terms of being that other free agent that can maybe go somewhere that, you know, is now, with Durant not being healthy, with even Clay not being healthy, that could sort of dictate which team, you know, works out uh, their plans this summer. Yeah, no, I completely agree. The The best thing right now, like, um, about the Knicks is that they are, I consider themselves healthy. They have cap room, they don't have any bad contracts, and they have young players that at least other teams would want. Like, I don't know if you want to get into the whole thing about, like, the the, the thing about – Howard Beck saying how like the Knicks players aren't aren't that interesting. 
You cannot tell me right now there's not a market for Mitchell Robinson. You can't tell me that that is not a thing. Like, I understand that he has flaws. And if you want to give me the argument about centers and the and what he might have to do to be able to be an impact player on a finals team, then yes, fine. We can have that discussion. But as of right now, who a guy who's going to be making less than a veteran's minimum for the next three years. It, like usually if you like rj barrett i mean on a rookie scale contract he's already going to be making you know yeah, well, yeah right. at this teams. point you're right he's going to be making close to eight million yeah. bucks yeah like that's that's the craziest part it's like no one on the team makes any money um and so like i'm very excited i definitely do think that this will be a off season to remember uh um I definitely am hopeful and believing that the Knicks will get um, Kevin Durant. And I definitely do think that if they do acquire him, then the, the, the sky's the limit. They can do a bunch of different things. And I'm, I'm really excited. If next season you tell me that the starting lineup is uh, Neil Aquina and Dennis Smith and whoever, I'll be really excited. Uh, last quick, this is the last quick point. What do you think Neil Aquina, what happens to Neil Aquina? You think he gets traded by draft night or he stays on the roster? Yeah, I mean, for a long time, I was guessing that he got traded just because it also sort of helps the salaries work. Like, it gives them a little more breathing room if they were going to go the route of signing the two max guys with one, you know, and again, with one of those maxes being Durant, because he can get 35% of the cap instead of, you know, Kawhi, Kyrie, all those type of free agents they're, since they have seven to nine years of service, they get 30%. So if you get Durant, it really sucks up that cap space. And I thought, okay, well, you know, if you move Frank, they're obviously not, you know, it seems like that was more of a Phil Jackson, Clarence Gaines pick. And it gives them another, you know, four and a half million or $4 million to work with, which, you know, it just seemed to all make sense to me that they would trade him for like a future pick. Now, if they learn that, you know, over the next couple of weeks that, you know, they, they, they're not getting those Durant plus Kyrie like type of combination, then, you know, you're not as worried about counting your pennies. And maybe you say, okay, let's not trade Frank when his value is relatively probably low right now because of, you know, last season, maybe you do bring him back and try to build that value back up. Um, although he'll get closer to when he's, you know, he becomes a restricted free agent himself. But, um, if I had to guess, I still think they move him just going on that whole premise of, I really think there's something too, when you have front offices, they, they like their guys and it just seems to me, Frank is not, is not one of their guys. You know, we can analyze all the things of his game of why you would keep him. A guy doesn't need the ball to be effective and that's good on a team if you're trying to build around superstars, but I think there's always, there really is something to that concept. And I, I just think they're not. They're not going to like, you know, make them an outcast or anything. But I just think that, like I said, they, they didn't pick, you know, it, I think it was more Phil Jackson and Clarence Gaines. And because of those guys are gone, um, I could see them wanting to bring in someone of their own, you know, their own pedigree. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see that. Um, I don't know if you're on the side of liking Frank or not. I am. I would love to see him return to the team. But I understand if they make the trade, trade, trade him away for whatever um but yeah jb really appreciate this man thanks got got a lot covered
Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And it's, uh, you know, I think what it, what it's come down to at this point, especially with this season, where let's face it, since, well, you could argue since opening night, but really in earnest since the Porzingis trade, which is what, beginning of February, it just seems like we've been speculating as Knicks fans, as people cover the Knicks, whatever, about really these two weeks coming up, you know, the draft, because there's, you know, likely if there's a trade or something, there's usually action around that and then who they pick. And and then obviously June 30th, everything starts. So I'm just excited that we're finally like there. Um, so yeah, definitely had fun talking and we'll have to talk again when, you know, we actually see what happens here over these <laughs> yeah, next man, two weeks. It's, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great time, but uh, yeah, for uh, your guy, JB's, your guy, Justin, uh, thanks again for uh, stopping.